The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Doug Birch and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. You know, this world is full of sin and it's full of sinners. And these sinners can do a lot of harm to a lot of people. In fact, there are people that we need to be worried about. At least we need to be careful when they're around us. We need to protect ourselves from the harm they might do to us. It's important to realize when people are sinning and how to respond to their sins. But on today's show, I want to talk about one of the most dangerous people in your life. Someone that you really need to be concerned about. Someone that could do great harm to you. And that person is you. Welcome back to the show. I am Dr. Doug Birch, and this is the Fairly Spiritual Show. Hope you had a great week. The Seattle Sounders won it all. You know, I'm I'm not a huge soccer fan, so I don't even know the name of the thing that they won, but they won the championship, and I watched it, and that was fun. I also watched the Seahawks win a really amazing Monday night football game, and I could tell that I'm a little stressed. Uh, in that I way overreacted to the game. Now, you can tell that you're probably not in a good emotional place when you are hiding behind the couch when someone is kicking a field goal. Uh, that's a sign. I don't, I don't know what was going on, but I got way too into that game. Uh, but, you know, they won, so that was good. If you're a San Francisco 49er fan, uh, sorry. You know, sometimes you just can't win them all, at least this season. So anyway, on today's show, I want to talk about the most dangerous person in the room. Uh, at least the person who can tank your life, the person that has the most control over your life. And that person is you. I've often uh, talked to my congregation on this, and when I guest speak at churches, I'll ask this question, who's the most dangerous person in this room? And they all look at that one guy in the corner, you know, the guy with a patch over his eye, who has a raven on his shoulder, he's got a heavy metal jacket on, he rode up in the Harley, and they look at that guy and they say, no, no, not that guy, he's not the most dangerous person in the room, uh, you are the most dangerous person in the room, or at least you're the most dangerous person in your life. In this sense that uh, of all the things that are going on around you, you, my friend, are the one who has the most control over you. Uh, the rest of the people around you, you don't have that much control over. You might think you do, but you don't. So we're going to get into the importance of looking at our lives, even in the context of injustices around us. I don't want to belittle or minimize the injustices around us. There's some really lousy people in the world, or there's people doing really lousy things. There's people who are sinning on a very large, dangerous scale. And it's important for us to point out those sins and to stand against those sins and to try to keep people from sinning and harming others. However, I have found that sometimes Christians get so focused on the sins of others or the sins of the world or the sins of anyone else but themselves that they miss where they really are best at changing the world. Where you and I are best at transforming the world is starting with us. The best place to really start with transformation is not outside our house, but it's inside our house. And not just inside our house, it's really inside our own 
hearts. Before we get to that, I want to give you uh, the phone number if you want to text uh, me, text the show. Well, you don't want to text the show. That's just kind of a nebulous concept. If you want to text me, the host of the show, you can use this number, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513. You can also just leave a voicemail if you want, 360-818-4513. Uh, millennials listening to the show, a voicemail is something you do when you don't text someone. That's where you actually use your voice to relay a message. It's something we used to do in olden times. 360-818-4513. You can also go to the website, fairlyspiritual.org, and you can find out more information, past podcasts, past shows. I'd love it if you'd subscribe to this show uh, in case uh, you listen to it on the radio and it's you know hit and miss, you don't always catch it, then subscribe to the podcast. Uh, go to iTunes and subscribe. If you've never subscribed to a podcast before, then go ask your friends and family about how to do that. Uh, gather around the Thanksgiving table and say, hey, would someone show me how to use my smartphone? And they'll show you how to subscribe to this podcast, The Fairly Spiritual Show. So uh, I, I want to address this. Who's the most dangerous person in your life? No, again, it's not the biker in the back with the patch over his eye and a raven on his shoulder. Uh, well, he's kind of dangerous, but the most, I don't know, maybe he's a real softy. But the most dangerous person in our life is, well, it's me if I'm talking about my life. But if we're talking about your life, it's you. The person ultimately that I have control over, I'm doing this radio show and I could try to control you. That's probably not a good idea. The person that I most need to deal with, the person who could really tank my life, is not you, the listening audience. It's me. It's, it's not the government. It's not the schools. It's not my pastor. It's me. It's not my spouse. It's not my kids. It's not my neighbors. The person who can most tank my life is me. And I want to get at this, and I'm going to read a very familiar scripture. And uh, I want to let you know right at the beginning here, I am not downplaying the fact that we live in a world of sin. And there are some sins that are really bad and really harmful that it is okay to point out those sins. It is okay to try to do anything in our power to make sure that someone stops sinning against others or against us. But as we stand against sin, as we point out the sins in the world, we must never forget to first start with us. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to kind of go where I want to go here. Um, let's just go real deep. Let's just do this. Uh, when I was, uh, I think it was in junior high, I, uh, I saw the first, for the first time, I saw terrible footage of concentration camps in Nazi Germany. My, my parents had told me and, and, and taught us and showed us even documentaries on the atrocities that had occurred with Nazi Germany, the Holocaust, and concentration camps. But I was in a middle school class, and it was a film that showed particularly uh, extremely terrible footage of the atrocities that occurred in uh, the concentration camps. And, and it, was, uh, it wasn't edited. It was really horrendous stuff. Um, it's the kind of stuff you see at the Holocaust Museum. It was just, it was really hard to see. And I remember being in that class, and we watched the, the movie, and uh, 
by the end, I was sick. I just felt sick. And I, I came home and I began to talk to my father about it and about, you know, just how terrible it was and how could people be so terrible? You know, how, how could this ever happen? How could we dehumanize anyone? That way? How could we treat anyone that way? How could, how could these Germans do that? How could these Nazis do that? How, how could these Nazis be so cruel? How could they be so monstrous? My dad listened to me and, and he let me express myself. And, and, and basically, I'm going to summarize what my dad did with me. He, he, he acknowledged that it was good that I recognized that these were atrocities. It was good that it troubled my heart and made me sick, that I, that I didn't understand why it happened, that it was good that, that it was just terrible to me, that that was good that I felt that way. And then he said something to me, basically in this sense, he, he said, it's one thing to recognize how bad these atrocities are. are. That's one thing. But we don't really, we can't really understand these atrocities until we can see how we are capable of such terrible things. We don't really understand the Holocaust until we can recognize how we, each of us, are capable of really terrible things. And then my dad went on to explain that sometimes we like to call people who do terrible things monsters. And we like to use language that distances us from them. We'll just say, those are monsters. They were just born monsters. And we use the term monster as a way to distance us from them. Like, well, I'm not a monster, but they're monsters. And they were just born monsters. And I could never do that because I'm not a monster like them. But that language we use is a way to distance us from ever seeing monstrous behavior in ourselves. But the problem is when we distance ourselves from ever believing that we could do monstrous things, it allows monstrous behavior to go unchecked within us. And my dad told me that whenever I see something terrible, whenever I see true wickedness in the world, whenever I see monstrous behavior, that it was good for me to also search my heart and to ask the Lord to point out, is there anything like that in me? Is there any way that I dehumanize people? Again, you know, it doesn't mean like, no, I, I don't feel like murdering people or abusing people, but is there anything in me that has a tinge of dehumanizing someone, uh, the beginning of treating them as less than human or subpar or someone that I could use or abuse? Is there anything in me that, that sees myself as more superior because of my race or because of my gender? or because of my religion. And if there's any of that within me, then I need to get before the Lord and repent. That ultimately, when I see sin in this world, I must say, Lord, search my heart and see if there is any wicked way in me. Because ultimately, as, as I should and we should decry the Holocaust and decry any dehumanizing behavior and any wicked behavior, we also must deal with any wickedness that's in us. And we know that when it comes to the wickedness of others, it is very difficult to know how we can control that in others, but at least we can deal with it in our own lives. This brings me to Matthew 7, too, when, when Jesus talked about how some people are focused so much on the sin in others that they do not see the extreme sin in their own eyes. Now, this is in the context of 
seeing the minutia of sin in other people's eyes, but not seeing the plank in our own eyes, the extreme sin in our own eyes. But this works even with extreme sin in other people's eyes. We can see extreme sin in other people's eyes, but still we must first start with the sin that is in our life. But here's what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Uh, I'll start with Matthew 7, 2. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. There's so many powerful sermons that could be preached from this passage, but first it's, you need to start with a sin in your own life, but many people just move beyond that. Not only are we recognizing the sins of others, but we're trying to help them remove the sin in their life. We're saying, this is what you need to do, and this is what's wrong with you, and let me tell you how to do this. And yet we are clearly living in our own sin and our own bondage. What are some thoughts I get from this? There is truly injustice in the world. But even to understand the injustices in the world, we must first look at the sins in our life and the injustices that we perpetuate. I've thought about this for me. Like, There's times when I will be arguing with my wife. There'll be seasons. I don't know if you do this. Maybe you have the perfect marriage, but there'll be times where Jennifer and I are just caught in arguments. And let's just say this, for example. This probably is not true, but let's just say that I'm in the right. And I can do this in marriage, but just think about any area of your life where, where I think I'm in the right, and I think, boy, she should not have treated me that way. And I begin to obsess about how I'm being treated un, you know, poorly. And I can spend all the time focusing in on the speck in her eye and just focus in on that. You know, you know why I'm unhappy and you know why I'm grumpy right now is because I'm not being treated well. Well, I could do that with my marriage or maybe something else. Someone in the church has treated me poorly and I say, you know why I'm so grumpy? You know why I'm so upset is because this person, you know, they left our church or they spoke poorly of me or, or what, whatever the issue is, or my neighbor treated me unfairly or whatever. You know, the, the, I'm upset with our president. I'm upset with the Congress. Well, whatever the issue is, I can focus in on those injustices and use them as the reason I feel the way I feel. But this is what I found. I remember I was in this season where I was just upset with my wife and thinking, you know, she's not treating me the way I wanted her to treat me. And I know this makes me sound bad, but I'm just going to throw this out there. But then I begin to ask the Lord, would you search my heart? I just put that to the side. I said, I'm just not going to look at that. And I asked the Lord to search my heart. And the Lord began to show me some areas of sin in my life that had nothing to do with my relationship with my wife, or at least I didn't think they did. They were just completely other areas. Some areas where I had been compromising my life, where I had not been living for the Lord. I had not been living the way God had called me to live. If I had thought about it, I thought they're totally unrelated. This has nothing to do with my marriage. But as I begin to look at the sin in my life, the things that were not pleasing to God, the things that were harming my relationship with God, and as I begin to repent of those things and hand them over to God, something really amazing happened. As I let God deal with the plank in my own eye, I begin to look differently at this problem between my wife and I. I was less grumpy. I was less upset. I didn't even see it with the same eyes. And I begin to realize that a lot of my hostility 
was not about my relationship with my wife, but a lot of my hostility came from that I was not right with God and I was taking it out on my wife. I've found that a lot of us do this. When we're not right with God, when we're not in a good place, we focus in on the sins of others. When there's areas of our life where we're not in a good place with God, we just focus in on others who are doing it worse. Like, well, you know, I might not be in a good place with God, but that person's doing it terrible. You know, I might not be reading the Word and praying or involved in a community where I'm growing with Christ, but those people are terrible. And we focus in on others as a way to distance ourselves from connecting with God. Jesus says, hey, enough. I want you to focus in on your life your relationship with me. Like right now, I think God comes to you. Jesus comes to you and says, just let all relationships fade away right now. You just stand before me. What's in your eye right now? What sin is in your life? What's going on? I I get it. There's injustice in the world. People are doing bad things. There's wrong in the world. We'll, We'll deal with that later. We'll get to that. But are you right with me? Are you in a good place with me? Are you living for me? Let's get honest here. Are we good? Is our relationship in a good place? Because if that's not good, the rest of this doesn't matter. I know people who on social media go on these crusades. They're on crusades about the government and they're crusades about all kinds of things. And their marriage is a wreck and their families are a wreck and their their life, their personal life is a wreck. And yet they're pointing out the injustices in the world. And yet they're not dealing with the things that are closest to their heart. They're not putting energy towards the planks that are in their eye. And instead, they're focusing in on the planks of the world. And even if it's equal planks, you know, if you put your energy towards the planks of someone else versus the planks in your own eye, I'm telling you, it's easier to deal with your own plank than the plank of a stranger. Most of social media is just trending topics of people's planks that they don't want us to remove. Or maybe we could spend time on our own plank. You and I are the most dangerous people in our lives. And and we could either decide to say, Lord, hey, search my heart and know my ways. Show me, Lord. Or, or we could focus our energies on someone else and something else. You know, one of the reasons I think we don't focus on other people is, or one of the reasons we don't focus on our own sins is we're afraid that if I focus on my own sins, you know, maybe I'll just collapse. Maybe I'll, man, I'm just, I can't look at my own sins because I don't want to just feel like a worthless, useless person, but that's not the gospel. Jesus died for us. He loves us. He died for us when we were sinners, when we were enemies. The gospel is, is we are incredibly worthwhile. He saw our worth when we, when we had no worth in the sense of when we were doing nothing good. He said, I love you so much. I'm going to die for you. I, I, God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son for us. That when we accepted Christ, there's a complete exchange of of that we are completely worthy in Christ. Because we are completely worthy in Christ, we can have Christ search our hearts and our minds. We don't ask God to search our hearts and our minds to show us how unworthy we are. We ask God to search our hearts and our minds because we have been made worthy. It's the privilege of the gospel. I think of James 4.10. I love this scripture says, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. You know, the term humble here in the Greek is a lowering. It's a positional thing. It's lower yourself. Just lay yourself low. 
You know, when we don't believe we're worthy, we're constantly defending for our, our worth. You know, when we think we're not worthy, we have to defend our worth and we have to pretend we're better than we are. And we have to, you know, show I'm, I'm not as bad as I am. And I, I, I do things better than you think I do. And we're constantly defending our worth. When we know our worth is secure in Christ, we don't have to go around pretending. We can admit to our failings and our faults. We can humble ourselves. I love that term of humbleness. It just means lower yourself. Just lay yourself in the ground. Just say, you know what? I'm not going to pretend anymore. You could just do it right now. You can just say, I've not been a very good parent lately. Man, I've just not been doing it well as a husband, as a wife, as a person. I've been failing right and left. You can just start writing them down. This is how I've been sinning. This is how I've been harming others. This is how I've been harming myself. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to sugarcoat it. You can say, I got a problem with alcohol. I got a problem with drugs. I got a problem with my temper. That's what humbleness is. It's just like you don't, you don't hide it. You just lower yourself. You stop pretending. You say, I'm not doing it well. You lower yourself. You say, you know, they're doing it better. I'm not doing this well. And you just humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. You just humble yourself in God's sight. You just say, Lord, you see me. You know me. I'm going to stop pretending. I'm going to stop focusing in on everybody else's sins and everybody else's problems and defending myself and comparing myself to everyone else and hiding. I'm just going to lower myself. You can do that right now. Like right now, the Lord is showing you things that God sees it. Why not just admit to it? Admit to it. There's, I think there's probably pastors listening right now. Admit to it. You've been a, kind of controlling lately, and, and, and it's not good. And you got to humble yourself and repent and say, I've been controlling, and I, I've been reacting out of my anger. And you repent. You repent. You just humble yourself. You lower yourself in the sight of the Lord. That's what James says. You humble yourself, and then he lifts us up. See, we can do that because God takes that offering, and he lifts us up. No, it doesn't mean he steps on us and says, that's right, you groveling, terrible person. No, he just says, hey, I'm your worth. I'm your value. And he picks us up, up and he lifts us to a rock that is higher than ourselves. He places us in a position that's greater than our works and our effort. We just place ourselves in the hands of God. There are injustices in the world. Yes, yes, it's important to decry the injustices. It's important to stand against darkness. But we also have to stand against the darkness in us. We've got to deal with the plank in our own eye. I'm very concerned when I see people on social media never talk about their own sins, never repent never apologize, never demonstrate a lowering of themselves. I'm concerned of that when I see pastors never do that. I'm concerned when I, I don't see people, their prayer requests are never like that. It's always about how great they are and how good they are. And like, that's dangerous. When people are constantly justifying themselves. I'm concerned in a marriage when the spouse never apologizes. When, when the parents never gather the kids together and say, I'm sorry, I've been messing up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Right now, there's grace for each one of you. I, I, I know there's someone listening right now, and you're the most dangerous person in your life. But that's good news, because God has come to you, and he's given you an opportunity right now. 
you can humble yourself. You can just admit to the plank. Say, here's the sin in my life, Lord. Here's where I've fallen short. And just yield, surrender, give it to God. Don't defend it. Don't justify it. Give it to God. Just give it all to God. Don't defend it. Don't justify it. Just give it to God. And just lay yourself down in the dust. And let Jesus come and pick you up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. He will revive you. And he will place you on a rock that is higher than yourself. He's for you. He's not against you. Okay? This is good news. God is with you today. Hey, I want to thank every single one of you for listening to this program. I'm so thankful that you'd spend this time with me. If you'd like to text me, 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513. Go to the website, fairlyspiritual.org, and please subscribe to the podcast through iTunes. It's the Fairly Spiritual Show. That's the Fairly Spiritual Show. Hey, make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. He loves you dearly. You're not alone. God is close. He's with you. He's for you. He's going to help you with that next step. I'll see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.